guys? How are y'all doing? Thank you. Y'all are really gracious to me. Thank you. Hey, uh, if we haven't met, my name is Isaac, and I'm part of the young adult team here at First Orlando. And I want to tell you guys um, about a really good buddy of mine, and we'll call him Mike. And Mike and I, so we, we kind of grew up together in the same town. Uh, we grew up in church together. Like, this is like, he's like one of my bros, you know, like one of my homeboys, one of my homies. And maybe, maybe you guys have somebody like that in your life that you just kind of grew up with and had a lot of similar background with that you were really close to. So this is me and my buddy Mike. And we uh, grew, up in, grew up in church together. So we were super close, would hang out all the time. And then we got to middle school and high school, right? And we were still really close, but during that time, that's whenever our, some of our lifestyle choices kind of started taking a, a different path, if you will, right? Because he, he, was, he was a good dude, um, but like he professed to be to be a Christian, and kind of grew up. But some of the decisions that he was making uh, was very contrary um, to what he was professing on on Sunday. So he would be at church on Sunday, then kind of going out and doing um, whatever other things, uh, you know, on the weekends and things like that. But again, we were still really close. So we got to, got to college. We ended up going to the same college together. And uh, why we were there was kind of the same thing. Like, we were still super tight, and we would hang out together one-on-one. And then I I would invite him to come hang out with me and my friends. And then he wouldn't really invite me to to hang out with him and his friends, because he just kind of knew that I wouldn't really uh, be down with kind of stuff that they were doing. But again, he's a good dude. We're still uh, super close. Um, He... He had uh, this longtime girlfriend um, throughout junior high and high school and college, and they ended up getting engaged, which is awesome. So he asked me to be in his wedding, which is awesome. Like, I was super happy for them. Like, I was really happy that he would ask me to be in his wedding. So now I'm a groomsman in his wedding, and uh, he wanted to have a bachelor party, right? Not just any bachelor party. He wanted to have a bachelor party in Vegas. Okay. You can see my tension now, right? <laughs> so here's this really, really good friend of mine, right? And he's kind of making some lifestyle, lifestyle decisions that I don't necessarily want to jump in on. But he's still a really good friend of mine. I'm, I'm a groomsman in his wedding. You know, he has, I want to like hang out with him. I want to hang out um, with, with the other groomsmen. I want to be able to celebrate this wedding with him. <sighs> So should I go to Vegas? <sighs> right? And immediately when I say that, some of you guys are thinking, Isaac, bro, it's Vegas. Like, let's go. Like, pull out the rap air horn. Like, bah, 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 bah. like let's go to Vegas. Come on. Right? And then the, uh, some of us are thinking, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, ah, oh, like, no. no that, see, Vegas is like full of like, pagan sinners. You stay far away. Right? That's so, some of us in this room. So, so for me, so this is how I'm processing it. I'm, I'm a Christian, right, and I'm unapologetic about it. I want to follow Jesus, and I orient my life that I want to help other people follow Jesus, right? That's just kind of how I live. That's how I process. So whenever I think through things, I'm thinking, how can I, how can I follow Jesus, and how can I help other people follow Jesus through this? So I'm thinking through that lens as I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to Vegas um, or not, right? So me and my, you know, in my genuine heart, I want to think, well, this could be a good experience because, like, I would get to, like, hang out with them for an entire weekend. Like, a lot of these guys are not following Jesus. It would be a really good opportunity to be able to 
to help them follow Jesus and form, build some trust and form some relationships. But it's Vegas, right? <laughs> it's Vegas. And we all know, we all know about Vegas because we all know what happens in Vegas. <sighs> you make a movie about and you end up waking up with a tiger in your bathroom, Right? Right? Like that's, that's Vegas, right? That's, that's Vegas. So the question that we're going to think through today is, do I go to Vegas or should I go to Vegas? And that's really what's going to set up our talk together, our message together today. And as we're processing this question, we're going to kind of look at it through a lens that maybe you haven't thought through before. Because we're going to look at it through the lens of mercy, Okay, we're going to process, should I go to Vegas through the lens of mercy? And here's mercy. Here's mercy. Mercy is something that you, uh, is whenever you uh, don't receive something that you deserve, right? Mercy is whenever you don't receive something that you deserve. For example, if you were to trip and fall, or if you were to trip and fall, like you kind of deserve people to laugh at you as long as you're okay, Right? Like, you kind of you do, right? But you're hoping, you're hoping that people don't, like, point the finger and laugh at you and humiliate you. You're hoping that people extend mercy to you, even though what you deserve, you kind of deserve to be laughed at because you just tripped and fell and were a klutz, right? So <laughs> that's, that's mercy. So we all, we all trip and fall, right? Because, like, everybody, let's just be honest, right? Everybody, everybody makes mistakes, right? Everybody has those days, right? <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody gets that way because who, who is perfect? Who is perfect? Nobody. That's right. You guys already know. Nobody, nobody is perfect. Guys, we all make mistakes. We do. And whenever we make mistakes is we don't want people to judge us and condemn us. No, we want people to extend mercy to us and show us mercy Right? Because we don't want to feel judged and condemned, right? We want forgiveness and love. So for today, we are wrapping up Jude. We're wrapping up Jude. Guys, we've been in this, this book, this letter for nine weeks, and some of, us has, some of us have been tracking together for the entire nine weeks, and that is awesome. So we're wrapping up the letter today, and Jude actually wraps up his letter by talking about mercy. And the way that he talks about it, he's going to answer some questions that we may have about mercy. Some of the questions that he's going to answer is, hey, well, who do we show mercy to? And why do we even need to show people mercy? And how, how do we even show people mercy? And this really interesting question, that, a really interesting question, he's going to answer, how far is too far when it comes to showing somebody mercy, right? How far is too far when it comes to showing somebody mercy? So you guys ready? You guys ready to jump in? Let's go, come on. Jude, so we are in Jude, and we are gonna <coughs> start in verse 22 and get, <coughs> excuse me, sir, a second. <coughs> we're gonna start in verse 22, and we're gonna get to the end of the chapter. Here we go, verse 22. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. 
verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. That is Jude. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're, actually, we're going to talk about this. Um, so yeah, so that, that's the entire letter of Jude. So we can see that he talks, he talks about mercy. And I, as we go through this passage and wrap up this letter, I want us to notice, I want us to notice five things. Okay? I want us to notice five things. So he says there in verse 22, have mercy on those who doubt. So you may be thinking, well, who, who are the doubters? So if you've been tracking with us, we've been talking about a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of different types of people that Jude talks about, right? Because we talked about way a few weeks ago, we talked about people that uh, pervert the grace into sensuality. Do you remember talking about that? And then we talked about people that are, that are waterless clouds and fruitless trees. And then last week, Alec talked about people that are scoffers and just want to bring division. Do you remember those people that we talked about? So those are people that primarily bring external conflict, right? They want to bring conflict to the outside world. So they're going to scoff. They are fruitless trees, waterless clouds, pervert the grace of God into sensuality. These are the, Lord, forgive us for the sins we bout to commit, right? Like, just like, like Snoop Dogg says. These are these types of people. But the thing is, is that these people, specifically in this verse, a lot of scholars, these aren't the, necessarily the external conflict type people, These are more the internal conflict types of people, right? Internal conflict. Because here's what's happening right now. You have these external conflict people that are wanting to cause division among the church. Like these are the people that are creeping in, right? And they're bringing external conflict. And you have these church leaders and Jude himself over here, right, that are trying to lead people on the straight path. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Uh, that are trying to lead people on the straight path. And then you have these doubters that are right in the middle that see these church leaders that are trying to keep them on the straight path and these external scoffing people, and they're right here in the middle, and they don't know who to follow, and they don't know what to do, right? So these, these are the doubters. The conflict is inside. So maybe that could be some of us in this room right now, Right? If, if we could just be honest, like, we don't figure, we don't pretend like we have all the answers. Maybe some of us in this room, if we were just to be honest, you're saying, hey, like, I doubt. I doubt. Like, I, I doubt God. I, I doubt his goodness. Perhaps I even doubt his existence. I doubt that he's good in my life. I doubt that he's powerful enough to, to, to sustain me and provide for me, right? So maybe some of us have doubts in this room about that. I had a really good uh, female friend um, back in Dallas, and she was a, a Jesus-following girl, but in conversations that we would have, she was just really honest, and she would say, you know what, Isaac, like, I, I just doubt. I just doubt a lot. So I would ask her, like, hey, so what, what do you believe to be true, what do you know to be true? And she was just really honest, and she would say, you know what? Sometimes I just think that the only thing I know to be true is I didn't put myself here. That's all I know to be true right now, right? So, and that's some of us in this room. Maybe that's where you are. You just doubt a lot, right? You doubt a lot. And even, I mean, just getting even a little bit more personal, uh, I mean, this, this was me e- even recently. So I wasn't, like, I was at a spot to where, like, okay, like, I'm kind of at a, at a fork in the road moment. Do I want to follow Jesus with everything that I have and do ministry, 
Or do I want to do things that maybe, um, the things that the, the world has to offer, right? Maybe because, you know, following Jesus means you're kind of, you're, you're on a certain track, which is awesome. But whenever we doubt, we, we don't think that the Jesus life is all that great, right? We think that, man, well, the world has a lot of stuff to offer. I kind of want to experience some of the world. That, look, that looks kind of enticing, right? That looks like it could be appealing. So, so there are, these are people that doubt, right? These are people that doubt these doubters. Okay, so, so what, what do we do when our friends are doubting? What do we do? Well, so what do I do whenever my buddy Mike, when he wants to go party in Vegas? He, he's in this doubting phase right now, right? He's kind of, some people telling him to follow Jesus, these, these external conflict scoffers kind of leading him this way. He's caught in the middle. You know, he's not... He's not, not a inherently, well, he's, he's not a bad guy, right? I mean, he is, but he's, because we all are, because nobody's perfect. Anyway, uh, he's not, you know, he's not bringing a lot of external conflict, I'll frame it that way. Not bringing a lot of external conflict, but he's kind of caught in the middle trying to figure out which path that he wants to go on. So he's a doubter. So what do we do to the doubters? What do we do? Well, we keep reading in verse 22. It says, have mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on those who doubt. So rather than, than judging and condemning people for their doubt, we need to extend mercy to them, right? We need to extend mercy, right? Because he's, these people, like they, they're trying to figure out which way is right, so we need to show them mercy, but also, if we remember back in verse 3, that we're to contend for the faith, do you guys remember that? Contend for the faith. So we don't allow them to get carried away with the scoffers. We need to contend to the faith. But also, if somebody is in a season of doubt or if they're a doubter, we need to show mercy to them and not judgment. So what, what is mercy? I, I alluded to it earlier, but mercy is this, and it's in your handout. People not receiving what they deserve. Mercy is people not receiving what they deserve. Right? And as, as we've been tracking through Jude, this idea of mercy has popped up a lot. Because in verse 2, Jude, he wishes mercy upon people. And then last week in verse 21, he wants people to receive mercy. And now here in verse 22, he says that he wants mercy shown to others. Right? Do you see how mercy moves? Jude wishes mercy to people. And then he wants them to receive mercy, and now that he, they've received mercy, he wants them to show mercy to others, right? So whenever people encounter doubters, we don't judge them, we show them mercy and forgiveness, right? We withhold the judgment, because here's the thing, Jesus is the judge. We don't have to worry about that, right? Jesus is the judge. It's not our job to condemn and to judge. It's our job to show mercy and forgiveness to people. But if we were just to be honest with ourselves, a lot of us grew up in church, and what do we know about church people? They're some of the most professional judges, right? Like church people are almost, these, they've, they've perfected the art of judging someone and condemning someone. Right? So church people are just really good at judging. And, and what's happening is, is that church people don't realize or remember that mercy has been extended to them. 
right? God has withheld his judgment to us. So we are to withhold our judgment to others. And instead, we show other people mercy whenever they are doubting. So every time, every time I think of mercy, I always think of this. Uh, I, th- I think it's a documentary. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, this, the story of ancient China. Right? And, and in, this, in this movie, right, these Huns are coming to invade China. Actually, it's not a documentary. It's Mulan. Okay. Okay. So these, these Huns are coming to invade China. And, and if, you, if you've watched Mulan, it is uh, the Huns are come invading. So now the, the Chinese government is requiring one male from every family to serve in the Chinese military. Right? A lot of us have seen Mulan, so we know that. So this main character, Fa Mulan, right? So she... So she, she takes her dad's place because her dad is old and he has a limp and he's kind of crippled. So she takes her dad's place in this Chinese military. But what is she doing when she does that? She's breaking the law, right? Because the law clearly states that it's only a male that is allowed to serve in the Chinese military. So Mulan is clearly breaking the law whenever she sneaks in and even cuts her hair and, you know, she, the, the reflection song, like cuts her hair and then like in the, in the pond, right? So then she, she goes and she serves in her dad's place in the Chinese military, clearly, clearly breaking the law, right? And then they're there, they're training, they're getting down to business, am I right? They're about to defeat the Hans, right? They're getting ready. So they, they go to a few, a few battles, and eventually, eventually Mulan gets found out. She gets found out for being a female. So the, the, the emperor's aide, he drags her out of the tent, right? And then throws her on the ground as he's calling her a treacherous snake. He's saying, this is, you've had the highest dishonor, right? He's saying high treason. He, he wants judgment, right? So this, uh, the, the emperor's aide, he's basically uh, in, in the equivalent of a New Testament Pharisee. He wants judgment. He's dragging this woman out onto the ground because she has sinned, and he wants judgment on her. So what does Emperor Lee do? What does he do? So in the scene, it's pretty epic. He gets, he draws his sword, he raises it up, and then what does he do? He drops it. Mercy. Emperor Lee withheld judgment from Mulan in that moment, right? That, that is a good picture of mercy, right? So... So do I judge my buddy Mike for wanting to go party in Vegas for his bachelor party? Do I judge him? No, no, not at all. I show him mercy, right? I, I withhold my, my judgment and I show him mercy, right? Because he, again, he's in a season of doubt. He's doubting. So it's not my job to judge him. It's my job to show him mercy in that moment. Because as believers in Jesus, do we... Do we even care to show people mercy? Like, why, why do we even care to show people mercy? Why can't we just judge them? Why can't we just stay way over here in our, in our Christian bubble while we let those people that are just way over there and just judge them for, for what they're doing? Why, why do we even care? Well, he says it in verse 23. Let's keep reading. Why do we show people mercy? He says this. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Because my buddy Mike, he's burning in the fire. He is. He's burning. He's burning in the fire. Right? He's in danger of fire. So my job is not to judge him. My job is to rescue him for the fighter. How ridiculous would it be if a firefighter saw somebody burning in a house and then was like, you know what? That's their fault. (laughs) 
That's there. They shouldn't have. They know not to leave the stove on. They know not to play with matches. They left the candle on. That's their fault. That's their fault because they're in a fire. That's ridiculous, right? What do firefighters do? Firefighters put themselves in danger for the sake of rescuing people out of the fire, right? They put themselves in danger. And that's exactly what Jude is saying to do, is that we need to put, potentially put ourselves in danger, or at least near the fire, so that we can rescue people from the fire, right? So to rescue people from the fire, that means that we're going to have to get close to the fire. We can't stay way over here in our safe bubble. We have to go near the fire so that we can rescue people from the fire, Right? Right? So, so what, is, what is this fire? Because I know a lot of you guys may, may be thinking that. What, what is fire? So fire here is separation from God. Right? Separation from God. So a lot of people, they, they think through like that God may be just like sadistically torturing people in the eternal fire and just like, ha, ha, ha. Just like poking people like with, with a torch, right? Like that's not, that's not what this is. That's not what this is. This is um, people that are not in Christ, they choose to rebel against God. And they will be separated from God. They, so they, they choose to separate themselves from God now. And basically for eternity, they just continue on the choice that they've made. Right? That, that's, all, that's all what's going on right here. Is that now today here in this room, right, you are choosing to, to honor God and glorify God. Or you're choosing to rebel against God. And what this is, is God is simply honoring your choice. Right? God is just honoring the choice that you have. So th- then the question is, okay, well, is this, is this literal fire? Is this figurative fire? So the place of us being separated from God is a literal place, okay? There is a literal place that is separated from God. Because God is where, like, all the goodness and the best things in the world and, like, his, uh, he's just so good and just so awesome. And the fire or the separation from God is just, like, all the evil and suffering and disease that's on this world. Because in, in the next life, we don't want to have to experience all of this, like, disease and suffering. We'll want everything to be made right. So this fire... Uh, is basically all the the bad things that are that are we, that we experience here on this world. So, is it a literal fire? Is it figurative fire? Hmm, I don't know. So, <coughs> um, here's what I know: is that the Bible actually uses a lot of different um, imagery to describe this place for eternity that's separated away from God. Because along with fire, another piece of imagery that it uses is darkness. So, can fire? and darkness literally exists in the same place. Uh, right? Right? So, so, all, so here, here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. Is that it, fire, uh, more than anything, just symbolizes a place that's full of death and darkness and disease and the worst things that happen in this world. This fire is sin. Right? So what he's saying whenever he says that people are in the fire is they are just living a life that is separated from God, and it's not going to end well if they continue on this path, right? That's what, that's what Jude is saying when he talks, talks about fire. So people that are doubting, people that are doubting, they're playing with eternal fire of judgment. And Jude says that we need to snatch them before they are lost forever, Right? These people that are doubting, they're playing with this eternal fire of judgment. And Judah's saying that we need to snatch them 
before they're lost forever. Right? He's saying that we need to snatch people. He's not talking about judging those who stray. We're not judging people that are in the fire. Our job is to go and restore them out of the fire, right? People that are burning need to be saved. And it is our responsibility to go and snatch them out of the fire and show mercy, right? And show mercy. So, like, in the goal, and when we show mercy and not judgment, is we're not trying to, like, publicly expose them, lift them up, like, hey, look at this person that was in the fire. No, 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 that's not what we're doing. We're not going to publicly shame them. Our job is simply to go and rescue them and restore them and snatch them out of the fire, right? Because here's the thing, too, about people that are in the fire or people that are in darkness, is they don't, people don't know that they're in darkness until they see the light, Right? People that are in darkness don't know that they're in darkness until they see the light. Because we all, we all remember Bane in Dark Knight Rises, right? You remember Bane? Because he says, like, you think darkness is your ally, right? You merely adopted the dark, but I was born in it, right? Bane. So, like, it's Bane, like, he was just living in darkness, consumed with darkness, right? And it's not until somebody is brought into the light that they can see the darkness that they were in. It's not until people are out of the fire until they realize the fire that they were in that was once burning them and consuming them. So, so the story continued, right? So my buddy, my buddy Mike, his doubt caused him to play in the fire. And my, my heart's desire was that I could snatch him out of the fire, right? Because as I was processing, I know that my buddy Mike, he's, he's doubting. He's doubting and he's playing with fire. So it was my heart's earnest desire to want to go and rescue him from the fire that he was playing in. So how do I do that? How do we do that? How do we show mercy knowing that we're going to have to get close to the fire in order to save people? Verse 23, it says this. Show mercy. Mercy with fear. Show mercy with fear. Because as we're rescuing people from the fire, we're going to have to get close to the fire, right? As we're rescuing people from fire, we have to get close to the fire. No firefighter can rescue people if he's not willing to go and get close to the fire, right? Then people are just going to burn. And in the same way, as we're rescuing people from sin, we're going to have to get close to sin, right? And we're going to have to get close to sinful people and close to sinful environments. And we're going to see what this world has to offer and we're going to get exposed to it, right? But do you see, do you see the potential danger there? Do you see the potential danger of getting close to fire, right? Of getting close to sin, getting exposed to sin? Because it says this in Hebrews, that sin is pleasurable for a season, Right, Hebrews 11 calls sin a fleeting pleasure. So as you're getting close to the fire, you're going to get to see firsthand some of the pleasures that your friends are experiencing. And you may get caught up and swept up in that, right, if you're not careful. You may get close to the fire and then you, end, you yourself end up getting consumed in the fire. So what does Jude say about that? What does he say? He says that uh, as we get close to the fire... Um, we're going to see people experiencing that fleeting pleasure of sin, and it may look enticing, and we may get caught up in it. So there are, there are two approaches when thinking through fire and us exposing ourselves to the fire and getting close. There's two approaches. One is legalism. 
legalism. So maybe a lot of us that grew up in church, maybe we grew up in legalistic households, maybe we grew up in legalistic upbringings. So what is legalism? Legalism is staying far, 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 far away from the fire and not rescuing anybody and not snatching anybody up. Legalism says, oh, yeah, those people over there, those doubters, yeah, I'm not, they're on their own, sorry. I'm going to stay over here in my Christian bubble and I'm just going to judge them because they're off doing really bad things and I'm just going to stay over here and I'm just going to judge them and because I, I, I need to make sure that I follow all the rules and I can't be tempted to not follow the rules and I don't even want to participate in what they're doing. So I'm just going to stay over here and just follow all the rules with all of my Christian friends and we're just going to hang out and go do Christian things and I'm going to spend time in the, in the student center and the worship center for 24-7. I'm never going to go out into the world and I'm just going to be in Bible studies all week and never going to go anywhere and not interact with any non-Christians. Legalism, right? Legalism. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is liberalism. So legalism would say, I'm staying far, 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 far away from the fire. Liberalism would say, whee, just like jump in head first, right? They're just like swimming in, swimming in the fire and snorkeling and like, ooh, and just like blowing bubbles with the fire, right? That's liberalism. They, they're just playing in the fire and having no regard to the consequences or the devastation that it might bring for participating um, in fire-like activities, right? So on one extreme, is legalism. On the other extreme is liberalism. So how, do we, how do we manage that? How do we get close to the fire enough to rescue people, but not so much that we ourselves get burned? How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, Jude says this. He says this in the second part of verse 23. He says, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Hating even the garment stained by flesh. So what, is, what does he mean by that? He's using a, using a metaphor. So the reason that we change our clothes daily is because they get dirty. Or maybe for some of the bros in the room, at least weekly, right? So the reason that we regularly, I want to be inclusive, regularly change our clothes, right, is, is because our clothes get dirty, and that's what happens when you follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you take off your old nature and you put on the new nature of Jesus. Jesus' righteousness robes you and clothes you and gives you a new identity. And you are a new creation now because you are following Jesus. So what that means in your new identity as a new creation, having new clothes of righteousness, is that you have to hate your old clothes, right? Because clothes get dirty and stained. And that's exactly what Jude is talking about here, is we have to hate our old nature. We have to hate the days when we were just playing in the fire willy-nilly. We have to hate it. We have to hate the sin that's in our lives. And the way that we do that is we get close to the fire, but we have to hate the fire, right? We get close to the fire, but we have to hate the fire. So, and as I'm saying that, uh, well, I'll make, make one more point here. <clears throat> Some Christians get criticized for going too far, Right? Because we look around and we see a lot, some of our Christian friends, and we criticize them for going too far and just for playing in the fire. And like we kind of judge them and condemn them because they're calling themselves a Christian and playing in the fire. But you know what? I think that it's only fair to criticize people who don't go far enough. Right? That are just staying way over here, not having no regard to the people that are burning in the fire. I think that we need to, we need to think through that as well. Right? We need to think through that as well. Okay, that was for free. Okay. Also, and I know, I know at Life Group, I know at Life Group, 
this, this phrase is going to come up because I've already heard it. And as we've been going through Jude, and I know I'm almost 100%, it's going to get talked about. Right? Have you heard the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin? Have you heard that phrase? Most of us have. Okay, hot take. I actually, actually don't think that's the most helpful way to think through it. I don't think that's the most helpful way to think through it. Why? Because, one, we're thinking, uh, it's, and it's more so the second part, because we have to acknowledge that we are, we are all sinful. But it's really hate the sin. So what we end up doing is we try to look through specific sin that's in people's lives, and we try to modify just that sin, right? So we, we want to, we ha- we um, you know, we want to love, love the sinner, but then we want to, like, hate that one particular sin that's in their life. That's not the most helpful way to think about it. I think a better way to think through this is we want to love people and hate sin, okay? Love people and hate sin. So what do I mean by that? I mean that we don't, we don't necessarily need to nitpick certain individual sin that's in people's life because if somebody is committing a one specific sin, getting them to stop committing that one specific sin is not helpful. What's helpful is that they follow Jesus, right? So we're not trying to get people to stop, you know, doing this and maybe you need to do that and start critiquing and trying to do behavior modification. Instead, we need to walk with them and pray for them to have a new heart that wants to follow Jesus. And all of the individual sin that's in their life, it'll get taken care of. So more than try to modify people's behavior to nitpick individual the sin that's in their lives, instead, we just need to talk to them about Jesus, right? And while we're doing that, though, I'm not saying we need to make light of sin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to hate sin in general, right? And I, if you don't know what I mean by that, I highly, I highly recommend that you uh, listen to Grace and Old Cars from a few weeks ago because I talk a lot about sin and kind of what that means and what that doesn't mean. But overall, overall, we need to hate sin in general, the evil, the destruction, the devastation that it brings, the harm that it causes to this world. That's what we need to hate, more so than nitpicking individual things in people's life. Cool? Cool. Okay. All right. Cool. So how how can we exercise wisdom as we get close to the fire? How can we exercise wisdom as we get close to the fire? Here's the thing. You have to know how the enemy tempts you. You have to know how the enemy tempts you. If you don't know how the enemy is going to take you out, that's a really dangerous spot to be. Because it's possible that you're in the fire and you don't even realize it. (laughs) Right? If you're not keenly aware of how the enemy is going to tempt you or take you out, it could be that you're just playing in the fire without realizing that. Right? So we have to be, we have to be aware. We have because if, and this is where it gets really practical, if there's an area where you are weak, then you have permission to stay away from the fire. If there's an area where you are weak, you have permission to stay away from the fire in that particular area. That doesn't mean that you get the free pass and just get to hang out with all your Christian friends all the time for forever. No, no, no. That means in that specific situation, for that particular instance, if you know that you're weak in that area, like, look, you, ha- you have permission to stay away from the fire, knowing that in that area, your stronger brothers and sisters, it's going to be something that they can go into the fire to go rescue people. So what do I, what do I mean by that? I mean, look, if, if alcohol is something that you struggle with, 
you probably should stay away from bars like at house parties, right? That's not, it's not a place where you need to be. That's an area where you are weak and you need to stay away and allow your stronger Christian brothers and sisters to come in and kind of go into those settings and to rescue people from the fire. Or like here, um, like let's say, let's say there, there's a, a girl that, that dances for money, right? And let's say that there's a guy's discipleship group that wants to say, you know what? We really need to minister to the girls that dance for money. So let's go, let's go over there, let's talk to them, let's hang out with them. So if a guy's discipleship group told me that, I would be like, absolutely not. You are, there is no way, there is no way that you're doing that, right? But let's say that there's a girl's discipleship group and that they're like, hey, like I have this friend and she's kind of in the scene and, and dancing for money and um, I, I really want to minister to her and some of her, her, some of her coworkers. So practically if some, a girl's discipleship group came to tell me that, that would be something that I would pass along to another uh, like female, female leader to process and think through wisdom and what, what's the best way to do ministry to them. So so those are some really practical examples of ways that whenever, if you're weak in an area, hey, you have permission to stay away. Okay, so are we on our own in showing people mercy? Are we on our own in showing people mercy? No, we're going to get down to verse 23 where it says this. It says, uh, sorry, in verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And wrapping up, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So what is he saying? He's saying that God is going to keep you, right? God is going to keep you blameless. God is going to keep you from stumbling. We talked about this in the very first sermon in our Hey Jude series where Doug says that we are kept, right, that we are called and that we are loved, right? And, and he wraps up with the same idea that God is going to keep us from stumbling and present us blameless. And here's the thing, too, uh, in verse 25, it's not about you. It's not. It's about God. It's about his glory and his good. And we get to participate with God on his mission to rescue people from the fire. It's not about us. It's not about kind of the works that we do, right? We are working with God, participating with God on his mission to rescue people from the fire. And as we're participating with God on his mission to rescue people, God says he's going to keep us. He's going to keep us from stumbling. He's going to keep us blameless because we're on his team and he's guiding us and sustaining us, right? But to do that, God gives us some really practical ways that he's going to help keep us. Is Because if we want to show people mercy, we need two things. We need God's word and we need God's people. We need God's word and we need God's people. We need to stay rooted in truth lest we get caught up in pleasurable sin, right? We need to know what the word of God says when it comes to fire, and we need to be very aware of the fire and very aware of what we're dealing with. So, in, so that we don't get consumed and caught up and swept away, we need to be very rooted in scripture. So if you're not daily reading scripture, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, like you're powerless against the fire, you are, because you have no idea what the fire is. You're, you're trying to fight this war that you, you don't know how to fight. You don't, you're not rooted in truth. You don't know what's going on, right? So it's, it's very dangerous to try to get close to the fire if we're not rooted in Scripture, 
right? We have to be rooted in truth that's anchoring us so that we can be aware of the fire. And we need God's people. We need community. We can't, we can't rescue people on our own. So some of us in this room, look, we, we may be caught up in the fire right now. So for a season, I would recommend that you step out of the fire and just hang out with God's people, right? Because you may be consumed with, with a fire and caught up right now. So my recommendation is that you change your playmates and change your playgrounds for a season, right? And in that season, find Christian community, right? Because we, we need God's people around us. And if you have God's people around you to, to guide you and all of you are rooted in Scripture, now you're ready. Now you're ready to go. Now you're ready to go step into the fire to go, or close to the fire to go rescue people. But we need God's word and we need God's people. So if you're planning, and I hope you do, going to the edge of the fire, I highly recommend the buddy system. Right? If you're planning on going to the edge of the fire, I highly recommend the buddy system. If you're going to go and into an into an environment where there's fire, which again, I recommend that, that we do with wisdom. Take a buddy with you. Take a friend, right? Take somebody in your life group. Take somebody in your discipleship group. You can't do it alone. And if you're by yourself, you're going to get swept away, right? As we read through the Gospels, Jesus regularly sent out his disciples two by two to go do ministry. So don't do it on your own. Find a buddy and now go do ministry, right? The buddy system. Okay, so... If we know that my buddy Mike is a doubter, that I want to show him mercy and not judgment, that I want to snatch him from the fire, that I want to show him mercy with fear, but I, I want to hate sin, but I still want to go after him, and, and I know that God is going to keep me blameless, and I also know that um, how to exercise wisdom and going to the edge of the fire, should I go to Vegas? Should I go to Vegas, right? And did I go to Vegas? You guys want to know? I didn't go. I didn't go. Why? Why did I not go? For three, three reasons that kind of went together. Um, it, it was mostly non-Christian guys that were there. Um, it was a bachelor party, and it's Vegas, <laughs> right? And those three things together equals, I, I don't think it would be wise for me to go. Uh, no, I, I thought through that and I processed it and had maybe two, only two of those things out of those three been true, that's a different conversation and we could process that. But those specific three things together equals I didn't go. And I don't feel, I don't feel um, you know, bad about, about not, not going, right? Because for, for that, those three things together, the, it been, the fire would have been too enticing for me. I think I would have got caught. There's a high chance I would have gotten swept away. Right? And I didn't have the buddy system. I was going by myself. Right? It's a bunch of non-Christian dudes. I'm the only like, solid believer. It would not have been a good environment for me. So, so I didn't go. But what happened? What happened because, because I didn't go? Well, I still went to the wedding. It was awesome. And then I got to hang out. I got to hang out with, with my buddy Mike and, and got to meet, meet the groomsmen and got to hang out with them. And uh, actually, the, the day before the wedding, they actually had like this like small hangout like at this house before the wedding. And they were there and they were just kind of hanging out. And, and for the first time, I got to see my buddy Mike in the environment that he wouldn't really invite me to. 
right? I got to see him just interacting with his friends, and I got to step into that environment and kind of see, see what it was like. And it was fun. Like, there, there was nothing inherently bad um, going on. But overall, I just got really sad. I got really sad. Because I saw the life that they were living, right? And they, they, they're living life with, uh, with no purpose, right? They think life is for partying. They're just trying to get through life, make a lot of money, you know, just trying to, trying to uh, heal some of, some of the hurt that they feel through different, you know, medication methods or, or self-healing or, or whatever. And I just saw the brokenness that they were in and the fire that they were in, and they didn't even realize that they were in the fire. They're in darkness. They had no idea they were in darkness, right? And, and for me, have experienced the light I could just, just hanging out with them and talking with them and getting to know them more. I got to see the environment that they were in or just like the, just the heart disposition. And overall, it just made me sad. So, so we had the wedding, and the wedding was a lot of fun. We had a, had a, fun, a fun reception. So, so now, now they're married, you know, and then um, I, I go, back, go back to Dallas. And, um, and then a few months later, I'm visiting my buddy again um, back home. And uh, so now he's married for a few months. And he's also, at the time that he got married, he had a job. He had a new job. So now he's been married for a few months now. He's working this regular kind of mundane job now for a few months. So, I just, so we were meeting and chatting. I was like, hey, man, so how, how's life going? He was like, eh, just kind of, just kind of bored. Like, I don't know, I'm married now, kind of settled down. Don't really have the fun that I used to have. Um, you know, work, work's work, right? Work's work. So... So then I asked him again, because he, he's, a, he's a profession Christian, and I felt, for a while, I had felt convicted to talk to him. And honestly, because I was a coward, I just didn't talk to him for, for years, just about, about Christian things and about the faith and about, about God and about Jesus. Because I was, I was fearful that I, I w- it was going to come off as me judging him. Right? So because I didn't want him to perceive me judging him, I just didn't initiate any conversations at all. Right? But eventually in that conversation, I was like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to talk about this. So, so I asked him. I asked him, hey, man, so how's your, how, how are you feeling about God? <laughs> just kind of, it was just kind of super, super, a little awkward, just kind of super random. But he, he took it well, and he was like, yeah, yeah, th- yeah, th- thanks for asking. Um, yeah, you know, God and I, we're good. You know, I'm trying to, you know, trying to figure out my work schedule, trying to, trying to get back going to church, and just trying to, trying to figure that out. You know, and, and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't ask you about church attendance. I, I really don't care right now. It's not about church attendance. How's your relationship with God? How is your heart feeling towards God? Right, and, and again, if you haven't really processed that question, he didn't—he didn't, at the time didn't really know like how to think through that or process it, just because he had been indifferent towards God for so long. So whenever I asked, so in life groups, the way that we ask that is, "Hey, how's your soul?" That's basically what I was asking him. Like, "Hey, how's your soul? How, how are your thoughts towards God? How is your disposition towards God? Is God stirring your affections, or are you just kind of not thinking through it? Just kind of just kind of going through life, just kind of bored, you know, trying to figure out what what purpose is or what your purpose is." So, so we we start talking, and then I was able to to have some some more you know pointed conversations. Just talk to him about life, purpose in life, meaning able to kind of re-articulate the gospel to him. It was actually a really cool conversation. It was a really cool conversation. And, and um, at, at the end of the conversation, like, he even starts, like, tearing up a little bit. <laughs> and we got to pray together. And he, I basically, that was, God used that moment kind of as a catalyst to kind of wake him up a little bit. 
basically say, like, hey, like, you're, you've been doubting, you've been playing in the fire, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send Isaac to go talk to you to help awaken something within you so that you can realize the life that you're living, kind of the fire and that you're living in because you're in the season of doubt. So God basically sent me to help him recognize the season of doubt um, that he was in, that he was kind of indifferent to. So, again, I, I had been really convicted trying to, wanting to have this conversation because I've seen his lifestyle for a while now, right? And I just was passive and just never happened. But eventually God was kind of like, no, Isaac, you're having this conversation right now. So I was able to talk with him. You know what he told me at the end? Because I said, dude, like I, dude, I'm so glad we got to talk. Like I've been wanting to have this conversation for you even for a couple years now. You know what he told me? I wish you had talked to me sooner. I wish you had talked to me sooner. In that moment, (laughs) I felt like a piece of crap. I felt like a piece of crap. In part, like, I was like, well, I'm better late than never. But also, like, I felt a lot of conviction for not just talking to him sooner, right? I saw that he was in the fire. I was just, okay, I'm going to go hang out with all my Christian friends. I'm not going to have a Jesus conversation with you. Man, I wish you had talked to me sooner. Ugh, right? But, I mean, it's, by, by God's grace, though, God, God redeemed the situation and God was still able to use me to talk with him and kind of spur something within him. And the two recommendations that I gave y'all, you guys, the exact two things that I gave him, like, hey, you need to be rooted in God's word. You need to be rooted in scripture. Sorry, you need to be rooted in scripture. You need to be rooted with God's people. So because he was kind of checking out a church, I was like, dude, plug in the community. Like, just plug in, just dive in, man. Like, you need it. You need God's people around you. And hey, man, do you have a Bible reading plan? Like, you should check out the Bible Project. It's really, really good. So y'all should check out the Bible Project. It's really good if, if you're kind of thinking through a Bible reading plan. So... So we had, we had that conversation in his living room. It, it was awesome. Um, so I, I go back, go back to Dallas. And then a few months later, um, I go back. And uh, we were, I was back in town, so we were hanging out. And um, I, I asked him, like, hey, man, so, again, because I didn't want him to think that I was, like, I was judging him or condemning him or feeling like spiritual police. But I still felt like I, God was like, Isaac, talk to him, bro. Talk to him about it. So I was like, Okay, okay, God. So I was like, hey, dude, so, uh, like, how, how's, how's life? Like, I know we had that spiritual conversation, like, a few months ago. Like, like what's happening? He's like, dude, like, I'm, I'm, like, regularly in church. I'm serving in church. Like, I'm in a small group. Like, you're right. I didn't even realize the darkness that I was in whenever you talked to me. And, like, that conversation helped spur, like, my new spiritual journey that I'm on. Right? Super cool. Super cool. So, yeah, so he, he's, he's doing well. He's doing well. We, we texted a little bit today. Uh, he's, he's doing well. So all that to say, guys, let's, we, we see that Jude wishes mer- that mercy is wished, that mercy is received, and that mercy is shown, right? So my prayer for all of us is that we are not fearful that people thinking that we're judging them and that we don't actually, we don't judge people, but instead we extend mercy and we initiate conversations uh, one-on-one, Right? We initiate conversations and show people mercy. So let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy, God. I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you, God, just for allowing us to partner with you on, on your mission. God, God, I pray, God, that we can just have hearts that are full of mercy, just like Jude. God, for your glory. 
and for our good. God, I pray over the people in this room. God, have hearts that burn. God, for people that are getting swept up in the fire, that we may be firefighters going and rescuing people and restoring people back to you. So we pray all this in your name. Amen. 